Sports Day, live from the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Yes, a very good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos here on SEN 657. So it's uh, great to have your company. And we're here, as you heard, in the temper on the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. And you can join us anytime on the temper at Bedshed Text Machine 0487 736 736. Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Or you can give us a call on the open line at 13 12 55 for Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Well, uh, the Big Bash tournament continues, the 12th instalment of the uh, Big Bash, and it's a Scorchers in action against the Brisbane Heat up there at the Gabba. We'll keep you right up to date. We've got plenty of uh, sports variety between now and 6 o'clock for those people that like a bit of sports variety right here on SEN 657. The Perth Scorchers won the toss and elected to bowl, and they've just taken the first wicket. Josh Brown was out bowled by Jason Berendorf for 18. Usman Kawaja with the likes of Manus Labashane, who's just come to the crease, Matthew Renshaw, are all in the uh, lineup for the Brisbane Heat. So it's certainly a different-looking Brisbane Heat to the one that the uh, Scorchers defeated here just last week at Optus Stadium. Kawaja is 15 not out. Labashane is yet to get off the mark. And the Heat are 1 for 33 currently, 1 for 33 in the fifth over. So we'll keep you up to date with that. Just looking at the Scorchers team for tonight, this is the way they'll line up. Uh, Cam Bancroft and... Uh, Stephen Eskenazi will open again. Aaron Hardy at three, where he was so good the other night. Josh Inglis at four. Ashton Turner, the uh, captain, who's been very good in the last couple of Big Bash matches. Top scored last game. He's coming in at five. Nick Hobson at six. Then Ashton Agar at seven. Matthew Kelly, Andrew Ty, Jason Berendorf, and Peter Hatsogaloo is in the side tonight to provide a bit of variety. So that's the 11 players. For the Scorchers, as I mentioned, the Heat uh, looking pretty powerful with the addition there of Kawaja, Labashane, Renshaw, who have all returned from national duties with the Australian Test team in that uh, final test against South Africa at the SCG. So just repeating, we're in the fifth over, and the Heat are one for 35 and they've just scored another boundary. In fact, one for 39. Labashane gets his first runs of the night. Speaking of cricket, uh, the touring party for the Indian series was announced today. And one of the surprises is, of course, Todd Murphy, who has been selected for that Indian Test series. Firstly, let's get George Bailey, the chairman of selectors of the Australian cricket team, to talk about the squad and how they came uh, to announcing the squad that will go away for that four test tour. We don't pick someone unless we think that they're, they're ready to perform if they get an opportunity. Whether he can play alongside Gaz is a, is a question, um, but they are, they are different as far as off spinners go. In India, we've, we would like to have the availability of a left arm orthodox. I think when you're putting any attack together, you're after, you're after complementary skills. We do think we'll probably get the, 
the, the heaviest spin conditions in, in Nagpur. That's probably what we're planning for, but, um, you know, but aware that, that they can be created in almost any venue over there. We probably see him more in, in Australian and, um, you know, English conditions is, is where his game is best suited. Okay, talking about Todd Murphy, so just after seven first-class games, the spinner Todd Murphy is going to India, and you can wipe the smile from his face. He's a 22-year-old who hails from Moama on the New South Wales side of the Murray River, has taken 29 wickets in his seven first-class games for Victoria, earning plaudits from a plenty. He said he has no playing expectations as one of four spinners, and the only uncapped player in the 18-man squad. Here he is talking about his selection. I'm going over there really open to learning and sort of whatever comes from that comes from it. And if, if that means playing, then awesome. But if not, I think yeah, the learnings I'll take out of it is going to hold me in good stead going forward. Over here, you sort of you try and trust your, your overspun ball and um, try and use the bouncy advantage where over there I think spin comes into a little bit more. So, um, yeah, just playing around with seam positions and, and being open to sort of change the way you bowl mid-game to suit the conditions over there. Yeah, I think the four of us all are quite different in the way we go about it, so um, complement each other really well. Okay, so when you look at it, uh, Dave Warner, Usman Kawaja, Manus Labashane, Steve Smith, Travis Head, Cameron Green, Alex Carey goes as the wicketkeeper, Pat Cummins as the captain, Mitchell Stark, Nathan Lyon, Josh Hazelwood, Scott Boland, Ashton Agar, Lance Morris, Mitchell Schwepson, Matt Renshaw, Peter Hanscom comes in as the backup keeper who can bat a bit, and Todd Murphy. So here you go. That's the squad. Uh, and a bit of West Australian flavour there with Ashton Agar, Cameron Green, and Lance Morris all being selected uh, for the touring party in India. And uh, they departed a few days. And uh, it is a four-test series, and it should be an absolute beauty as well. You're listening to... The Sports Day program with Peter Vlaus here on SEN 657. Just a couple of other bits of uh, sports news. Thanks to Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. The Melbourne Victory Managing Director, Caroline Carnegie, insists the club is financially okay, despite being fined $550,000 following the pitch invasion and crowd violence at last month's Melbourne Derby at Amy Park. Found to have brought the game into dispute, the victory was penalised more than half a million dollars, $450,000 in fines and damages and $100,000 in lost revenue by Football Australia. And the financial blow came a little more than a week after reports that victory had lost $6.7 million in the 2021-22 financial year before partnering with US private equity investor 777 Partners in October. Carnegie said the victory would move forward and build from the fines and other sanctions imposed on the club. So she reckons they're financially okay. And that's why, from a hot topic, it was last night, thanks to Repco for expert car advice, book into your local Repco authorised service dealer, that they needed to get a points deduction. It's crazy that they didn't get a points deduction because that would have really hurt them. That would have really hurt them this season and they need to be hurt this season when it comes to on-field because that's where the damage was done. So we wait and see what transpires, but I think they've heard Football Australia not handing down that uh, points deduction. And when you look at the Australian Open tennis, the draw is being made tomorrow, by the way. So we'll bring you up to date with how our Australians will fare in the opening round of the Australian Open, the first Grand Slam of the year. That happens, uh, starts next Monday. Uh, It should be a beauty. And of course, SCN will be right across that. But the draw 
for the first round tomorrow. Uh, it'll be at midday our time. And as I said, on Sports Day tomorrow from 5 o'clock, we'll bring you right up to date. Marnus Labashane has just been dismissed for 10. Caught Eskenazi of Berendorf. Berendorf's now got two for 14 off three overs. What an outstanding T20 bowler he is. Marsh, Marnus Labashane out for 10. Renshaw strides to the crease. Kawaja's not out 19. It's two for 48 off six overs in this uh, BBL match between the Brisbane Heat and the Perth Scorchers. After the break, we'll be talking to Tristan Lovellette, the ESPN Cricket Info journalist, about the Australian test team that was announced to go to India today. You're listening to Sports Day, all thanks to the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Labashane with a big swing. There is a fielder out there. It's in the air. Can he get there in time? Yes, he can. Oh, what a catch. What a catch there from the Scorchers. As Labashane departs, and it might have been Hatsoglu out there in the deep. Catch taken to dismiss Labashane. Had a deep square leg. And that is a huge wicket for the Scorchers. On the last ball, the over. In fact, it was Eskenazi who took the catch uh, off the bowling of Jason Berendorf for 10. And the other man now was uh, Josh Brown. He was bowled by Jason Berendorf for 18. Usman Kawaja is 23, not out. Matthew Renshaw's out there as well. He's not out three. And currently two for 56 in this eighth over. And uh, currently bowling is Peter Hotsogalu. He's bowling his first over, has none for six off his first four deliveries. Uh, there's been also Matthew Kelly at the crease. Jason Berendorf, the pick of the bowlers, two for 14 off only his three overs. So he's got one more over, and they no doubt keeping him up their sleeve. As I mentioned, the test squad was announced for the up-and-coming and eagerly anticipated four-test tour of India. That commences uh, next month. Uh, three West Australians in the lineup: Lance Morris, Cameron Green, the all-rounder that everyone's talking about, and Ashton Agar. Joining us is Tristan Lavalette uh, from ESPN Cricket Info to discuss the Test squad. Tristan, thanks for your time. Thanks, Pete. Any surprises for you? Not really. I think it was pretty predictable. Obviously, the perhaps the bolter is Todd Murphy, the off-spinner from Victoria, but he's had a pretty good. Uh, season in Sheffield Shield ranks and with Australia A and the Prime Minister's 11. So he was uh, fancy to, to tour. So they've got four spinners, a bunch of quicks. It'll be interesting to see how where they go uh, with their final makeup uh, for the first test, but it's still a while away. So they've got a bit of time to, to think about it. It's interesting when you talk uh, about Todd Murphy, all of a sudden, he's probably, here's the bolter. He's only played, what, I think about seven first-class matches. But 
from all reports, uh, George Bailey says it was not a development tool for Murphy. He's going to be thrust into the nitty-gritty of it and could partner Nathan Lyon in some of those test matches. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. He's a fierce competitor. He's very mature for his age. He's only 22. Um, but to play two off-spinners is probably not what they're looking for, I would assume, uh, especially against uh, Indian batting order that's predominantly right-handed. So that probably puts Ashton Agar being left-arm orthodox and uh, Mitchell Swepson, a leg spinner, right in the frame for selection. But Todd Murphy's seen as perhaps a successor for Nathan Lyon, so I'm sure they would love to give him a chance, but it might not be possible, I think, in this series unless Nathan Lyon gets injured. Interesting regarding uh, Schwepson. We saw him here at the Big Bash uh, the other night. I reckon he's lost his way just a fraction. Uh, I gather they needed to take uh, reinforcements there in relation to spin bowlers in India, but I just think he's gone off a fraction. What are your thoughts uh, from the East Coast? Yeah, he's he sort of struggled, obviously, in, in Pakistan and Sri Lanka, obviously. Pretty tough uh, series to to make your uh, sort of test initiation, especially in Pakistan. The pitches are very barren. So I think he lost a little bit of confidence and he seemed to be a little bit on the outer. And that was confirmed in the third test against South Africa when he missed selection uh, with Ashton Agar getting the, the second spinner's position over him. So I think perhaps he's lost a little bit of confidence, but basically he had to be selected because they they need a wrist spinner. India uh, traditionally have probably been a little bit more vulnerable with either wrist spinners or left-arm orthodox spinners. So uh, it pretty much makes sense for, for Swepson and, and Agar to be selected, even though they probably don't have the, the records or, or confidence in first-class cricket to perhaps warrant it. Mm. At least this series will be competitive compared to the two home series against the West Indies and South Africa. I gather from a player's perspective, they're looking forward to this challenge and a good uh, competitive hit out. Yeah, this is the ultimate for Australian cricket, I think. I mean, obviously, the Ashes is, of course, the big one, but beating India in India is the hardest challenge in cricket. They haven't lost a test series over there, I think, since 2012 against England. And just that was the only time they've actually lost in India since 2004 when Australia famously won, of course, over there. So this is the hardest challenge. It's been very, very tough to to win over the years. India are a little bit vulnerable. They've got a couple of injuries themselves, so they're not at full strength. They, they won't have um, Rishabh Pant, who was so dominant mm. a couple of summers ago here in Australia. He's unfortunately had a, a car accident. And uh, Bumrah, the, their spearhead, quick, he's also on the sidelines. And there's also doubt on Shadeja, the spinning all-rounder who's dominated against Australia in Indian conditions over the years. So they're a little bit vulnerable, to be honest, but they would have to start favourite still. Mm. What do you think of the Australian batting lineup? You wouldn't think there'd be too many changes from what we saw this summer here in Australia in relation to the top order. Wouldn't have thought so. It's pretty stable at the moment. Obviously, there's a question mark over Cameron Green and whether he can play in the the first test, but indications are they're, they're pretty hopeful he can. So assuming he's fit, I wouldn't wouldn't think there's going to be any changes. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Travis Head, who's built up a very formidable uh, test career at home. Great test record at home. We saw him in the test series against the West Indies in South Africa basically play test cricket like it was 
T20 cricket. It was quite incredible how how fast he was batting. But that's going to be a little bit different in India, where he uh, he has struggled in the subcontinent to date. So it's going to be a big challenge for him, and and even someone like David Warner, who whose record in India isn't very good. I think he's got a average of around 25 for his career over there. So it's going to be a big test for the Australian batters. There's no doubt about mm. that. But this is probably their their good chance, you'd think, to be really competitive over there considering their form. And like I said earlier, perhaps India are a little bit vulnerable. Interesting. I spoke to Cameron Green. He came and joined me in our broadcast position here at the Perth Stadium just prior, in fact, on my sports day program, prior to a Big Bash match that we were having here. And he confessed he'll be fit for India. So any speculation that he might be underdone heading into the first test is certainly um, not a consideration as far as Cameron Green is concerned. He'll be uh, firing on all cylinders. And uh, he was nursing, of course, that fracture in his right index finger. But he says everything's going according to plan. And by the time the the series comes around, he'll be fine. So saying that, uh, we're going to hear some comments in just a moment. Justin Lango out of the uh, the test documentary part two about where test cricket is at at the moment. Tristan, where do you think it's at? You know, we've seen the South Africans, very little opposition to the Australians, to be fair. West Indies have gone by the bye. We know England have taken a different strategy with Brendan McCullum and, of course, Ben Stokes in an attacking form of test cricket which is quite refreshing. They beat Pakistan in a clean sweep by 3-0. New Zealand played Pakistan, and the two test matches there have been drawn. So where do you see the evolution of test cricket at the moment? Is it purely now Australia, New Zealand, possibly, India and England? I think it's pretty much Australia, England and India uh, are pretty much guaranteed to still be strong for, for a long time coming. They've got billion-dollar broadcast deals to basically prop up uh, their cricket and development and programs and all sorts of things like that, whereas other countries, even New Zealand, um, South Africa, I mean, they're struggling for funding. Um, So basically, I think there's going to be probably less test cricket in the future. There'll be still the marquee series between Australia, England and India. Those three countries will still play each other and they're going to be playing probably more frequently. They're going to be playing five test series in the next cycle of events over the next four years. But I think some of the other countries, there's massive question marks over them. Even New Zealand, we're seeing some of their players uh, take the the route of T20 cricket. And we saw Trent Bolt, for instance, play in the BBL. And, and now he's headed over to, I think, the UAE. Uh, there's, there's new uh, cashed up leagues bobbing up in South Africa and the UAE, which are more options. There's going to be a, an American league middle of the year that's also going to be uh, quite lucrative for players. And I'm sure there's going to be more. So unfortunately, if you want to see uh, sort of a depth of talent in terms of teams, I don't think that's going to happen. But in terms of India, England and Australia, I think those three countries are going to remain pretty strong. Next summer, it's going to be very interesting because they're having Pakistan and the West Indies are actually coming back again for, for another test series. So those countries, well, we saw the West Indies, how they're uncompetitive here this summer and, and Pakistan traditionally haven't fared very well in Australian conditions either. So next summer, again, could be a bit of a tough one. But the next two summers after that are going to be India and, and England. So I think it's going to be 
basically probably less less test cricket, but it's going to be more cricket amongst those three sort of power countries in the world. Good on you, Tristan. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time and we look forward to, of course, reading everything on ESPN Cricket Info that you put together. Tristan uh, Lavalette, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and enjoy the remainder of the cricket season here in Australia with the Big Bash and, of course, we look ahead to the Indian Series. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Pete. Have a good day. Good on you. Tristan Lavalette joining us here on Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. And you can join us anytime on the Temper at Bedshed text machine if you're listening on SEN 657 0487 736 736. Tenover's done and dusted. The drinks break. Uh, they're about to start the second half of the Brisbane Heat innings. Brisbane 2 for 80. Uh, Josh Brown was our bold Berendorf for 18. And Marnus Labashane caught uh, Eskenazi off Berendorf for 10. Wilson Kawaja is not out 28 off 22 balls. He's hit two fours. Matthew Renshaw has come in, and also he's 22 not out of 16 balls, and he's hit two fours as well. The bowling figures for the Scorchers, Matthew Kelly one over at a cost of 13. Jason Berendorf has bowled three overs, two for 14. Ashton Agar, the two overs, none for 20. Ashton Turner, two overs, none for 13. Peter Hatsogalu just bowled the one over, no wicket for eight, and they've just taken the third wicket, actually. In the first over after the drinks break, and Andrew Ty is the bowler who's taken the wicket, so he's now got one point two overs and has one for twelve. So the uh, third wicket is down. Uh, let's pick it up uh, right now and find out exactly how it all came to be. I really like this. It's a great ag- aggressive move and um, great move by the skipper Kawadra. I think he's probably made the decision. Kawaja loading up, he could be out here, taken in the deep, Kawaja's gone, Bancroft takes the catch, he was looking for the pull shot, Kawaja, there was only one man out there, he didn't get the angle right, and taken, great catch, say deep forward square leg in the end, Bancroft out there with the catch. So there you go. That's uh, the way it happened. And let me tell you, Cam Bancroft is one of the great uh, outfielders when it comes in the BBL. He's very, very good out there. And he's taken a couple of great catches already, and that was a very important one as Jimmy Pearson comes to the crease for the Brisbane Heat. Just as we go to the break, Justin Langer, uh, we're talking about test cricket with uh, Tristan uh, Lavalette from the ESPN Cricket Info. He's a journalist here. Here's JL's thoughts on the importance of test cricket. The, the best way, Sachin Tendulkar summed it up brilliantly about five or six years ago, yeah. and it makes so much sense to me. He said, T20 cricket is like dessert. Yeah. It tastes good, mm-hmm. and it makes you fat, but you can't yeah. live on it. No, yeah. Kids love You've it. You've got to still have steak and veggies. Mum and Dad's still going to give you steak and veggies, because if you just have... If you just have dessert every day, your teeth fall out, you get fat, you get obese, and you have all, and it's just no good. But if you have your steak and veggies, and you have your T20 cricket, uh, your dessert, then you've got a nice balance. I remember since T20 cricket came out, yeah. we've been having the same conversation. Oh, it's going to take over the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, it might. It might. But I've been hearing that for, for 10 years. Yeah, it might make you fat, and it may cause your teeth to fall out, uh, JL, but gee whiz, what about your pay packet? 
What about your pay packet? <laughs> what about the bank account, JL? Uh, that's what they're all excited about. Uh, the money on offer is just ridiculous at the moment in some of these T20 leagues. And that's why the likes of Marcus Stoinis and Chris Lynn are going to the UAE in a little while. I think the tournament gets underway in a few days. They're exiting the BBL. Chris Lynn played last night, brilliant for the Adelaide Strikers. He's on his way out. He's going to the UAE to be there when that tournament starts. So um, this is the problem, isn't it, really? This is the problem. It's just the carrot is just too big in these T20 leagues, and there's more and more. Did I hear there's going to be a T20 league in America? Is that what Tristan said? In the United States of America, there's going to be a T20 competition. Now, if it goes to America, it could go to anywhere in the world, let me tell you, because I didn't think – that caught me by surprise. I didn't know that there was going to be a T20 league in the United States of America. We might find out more about that after the break. Anyway, it's coming up 29 past five. Uh, we're here for Kia and the seven-seat Kia Sorento Large SUV. Not forgetting uh, the Perth Wildcats. Uh, get behind them uh, this season. Uh, you can pick up your Wildcats tickets. All you need to do is go to tickertech.com.au. Three for 84 after 11 overs are the Brisbane Heat. And you're on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Renshaw could be out here, missed, oh, what a catch! What a catch taken there by the Scorchers. I think that's Andrew Ty out there, is it? One-handed, diving away to his right, almost full stretch, and and he was happy about it too, through the air, through the ball into the air in delight. Uh, That's a great catch and a huge wicket. There, it was a great catch. One-handed there by AJ Ty. The bowlers combining to get rid of Matthew Renshaw for 27. And Jason Berendorf has got one ball to bowl, and he would have completed his quota of four overs and has three for 19. Just an absolute outstanding left-arm fast bowler is Jason Berendorf, and uh, he will finish with three for 20. In fact, there's an overthrow. He'd be pretty dirty with that. So it'll be three for 21 off four overs. But what a great performance by Jason Berendorf. He got rid of Josh Brown, the opener for 18. Amanas Labashane for 10. And just then Matthew Renshaw for 27. Jimmy Pearson is not out three. Max Bryant has come to the crease. He's yet to get off the mark. Ross Whiteley, Michael Nessa, Xavier Bartlett, Matt Kuhneman, the spinner, and Spencer Johnson, uh, the batsmen that remain for the Brisbane Heat. And when we look at the bowling figures, Matthew Kelly, one over, none for 13. Jason Berendorf, as I mentioned, four overs, finished with three for 21. Ashton Agar's bowled the two overs at a cost of 20. Uh, Ashton Turner, the two overs at a cost of 13. Uh, Peter Hutsoglu just bowled the one over, none for eight, and Andrew Tye, two overs. One for 14, plus a brilliant catch. 
Well, a man that is the backbone of the Western Force is a guy that was born in Sydney, came over here, I reckon probably, I'm guessing 15, 16 years ago to get involved with the Western Force, played over 100 games for them. And uh, we're talking about Matt Hodgson, skipper and all that. He's done everything at the Western Force and he joins us on the program now. Hi, Matt. Hi, how are you going? Good. Uh, how's life treating you? Uh, yeah, good. Busy. Um, need another holiday after Christmas already. <laughs> You're still involved uh, with the, I think you started actually, with the uh, F45 training. Is that still on the go? No, we sort of started them up um, as a sort of a retirement sort of job in a way I was going to go to. Me and wife were working there, but we sold them. Um, when that fun thing, COVID, came around, it was ah. just um, work and that. And so we sort of got rid of them during the COVID process. So, uh, yeah, because it was flying at that stage. I think you opened it up around about 2014 and uh, leading into COVID, it was going okay. We're seeing, seeing a sort of outlets popping up everywhere. Yeah, no, obviously ours was the third in Australia, I think, and now there's over a 1,000 or something. So, yeah, definitely going well, but um, just for us with our life balance and obviously um, some young kids um, of our own, we sort of needed to sort of give something away, and that was sort of the one that was the right time for us after I think we were in it for about eight, nine years. So, yeah, Mm. it was good to get out of it, and obviously... COVID changed that world dramatically, so we're thinking our lucky stars now. So is rugby now full-time for you? Yeah, so obviously full-time for me, obviously um, running the the Western Force as a general manager role and doing all the contracting there. Um, So, yeah, that takes up a fair bit of um, my time and obviously a fair bit of travel and then obviously... Um, my wife's a full-time mum with uh, with our two kids, sort of giving time back to them as mm. they go through that primary school age group. Yeah, well, you did study, I think, uh, at university, a Bachelor of was it Sports Management. So you're grooming yourself not only to be a player for the Western Force or rugby generally, but also to maybe, when that time was up, to work uh, in the boardrooms and in the backroom staff. So I gather that's come to fruition for you now. Yeah, I originally did that course to become a player manager and then I actually found out what player managers are like. So I sort of <laughs> stepped, stepped away from that pretty quick. So, yeah, no, um, yeah, I always encourage people to, to do something outside of playing because um, playing can be pretty tough and you need another avenue. So, yeah, did a few courses while I was um, still playing and, yeah, luckily I did and sort of put me in good stead for the role I'm in now. Matt, just having a look at the season coming up, we know that the Perth glory have dis- been displaced from HBF Park because of uh, the work that needs to be done with the FIFA Women's World Cup uh, coming up in a few months' time. What's going to be the situation with the Western Force when their season starts? Uh, what is the the plan of attack for your home games? Uh, no, we're pretty lucky with our timing um, that we actually get all our home games at HBF. Um, sort of worked um, closely with the venue there and um, sort of made sure it all worked out for us and worked closely with Sansa with our draw and stuff like that. So we're lucky that all our home games will be at HBF and uh, I think um, Harry Styles kicks it off and then we're the next event after that. So it's uh, pretty exciting and uh, a few of the crew are going out there tomorrow to see the progress of the stadium and by all reports it's um, going well and it's going to be another string to our bow having a world-class stability. Yeah, that's great. So no doubt the fixtures were worked on to make sure that you weren't disadvantaged with the venue. Is that correct? Yeah, so, yeah, we sort of worked around sort of um, the, the stadium and they sort of gave their timetable and then worked with Sansa 
um, and, and Rugby Australia and sort of got the draw um, all secure and sort of um, got everything there that we can play all our home games at HBF, HBF which um, a couple of months ago was pretty nerve-wracking, but, um, yeah, pretty excited that we can actually um, sign that off and get all games there. You're not far away from your Super Rugby preseason hit-outs, are you? I think you're about three weeks away from uh, a hit-out at McGilvray Oval against the Reds. Is that correct? Yes, uh, yeah, I think it's three three weeks um, on, on the weekend, yes. So, um, yeah, time, time's coming pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it's exciting for us um, to actually put all the training we've done over the last few months um, and, and put the squad out for the first time against the Reds at McGilvray. How's the squad looking? Uh, no, very good. They've been put through their paces. Obviously, I had a bit of a break over um, Christmas, but they've all come back in good shape and sort of been pushed pretty hard for the next two, three weeks, and then they'll sort of start um, going into that team selection dynamic, which is always exciting. Um, and then, yeah, we're definitely... Um, Looking like a great team this year and pretty excited to sort of go from training into games because that's sort of what the players um, really love um, about the sport is, is the competitiveness of the game. So it's exciting um, to count down. So saying that, when you look at the squad, and you've been part of many a Western Force outfit over your years here in Perth, Western Australia, it was a very good squad last season. Is it stronger this season? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say it's stronger and I'd also say more balanced. We've got... Um, a lot of players that came into the program uh, last year that have a, another year under their belt, but also a year at the Western Force, so they sort of feel more accomplished and, and more settled. Um, and then everything we've brought in is sort of adding to a squad. So obviously, um, experience with Chase Titia, um and then a few players from the UK um, that have come through, and then also lucky enough to get Santiago Medrano back. So again, that strengthens our front front row. So. Um, yeah, pretty excited um, to keep this squad nucleus together for the next few years because um, I think when we played in Japan a couple of months ago, our average forward pack age was only 21, so that's pretty exciting for us. Mm, mm. Let's have a look because uh, we know women's sport is going on in leaps and bounds when you look at uh, the dominance of women's sport nationally and professionally now. Tell us about the Western Force Super W uh, squad and where that's at. Yes, yeah, so pretty exciting. We we sort of announced our, our Super W squad for the season tomorrow. Um, we're putting a lot of um, changes in place from a, a high performance and trying to take the the female space to as professionally as we can. So we brought in our high performance manager that's dedicated to the female space, um, putting together a great coaching group, um, and then lifting the the nature of the game to give them all the access they can to be successful. Um, obviously. Um, difficult as there's still a, a semi-professional um, sort of thing. So we're trying to create a program that is as professional as can be. So supplying um, nutrition support, strength and conditioning support, video analysis. So everything the male um, get in a super, um, super um, we're trying to implement that into the Super W program as well. So it's pretty exciting and um, the girls are really responding to it. Is the high performance manager you're talking about, is that uh, Claudia Bell? Yes, yep. Yeah, she's got a pretty good CV, hasn't she? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and it's been great to work alongside her and, and sort of grow grow the, the game together. We sort of, when we interviewed um, a number of candidates and they're all strong, um, Claudia definitely stood out for her passion um, and the knowledge of the game. And sort of when she came over, we said there's three big things and obviously Super W was a big one for us. Um, setting up a female academy was another one and then growing the game 
uh, in WA. So um, sort of ticking those boxes nicely now and sort of, again, um, the squad's been together for about eight weeks now, so they're, they're looking ready to, mm. to sort of dive into some games coming up as well. And I think she's got a pretty good track record. I know when she was in Sydney, maybe working with the Waratahs, that there is a, a good conversion of getting the players from Super W Rugby uh, maybe into the Wallaroos, which is what everybody aspires to. Yeah, definitely. Um, so two, two things that we've been working over the last few weeks is, is telling the girls that um, there's opportunity for them to go from from a super player to an um, international player. I think over the last few years, the girls probably haven't seen that that's possible. And that, but now, obviously, with Trillian, um, one of our superstars of the game over here, going back into the, the Wallaroos program, it's pretty exciting to see um, the girls, again, a young group, 21 to 24, um, putting their hand up for not only Western Force selection, but wanting and having that hunger to play at international level. Good on you, Matt. As we let you go, just repeating a big announcement tomorrow morning. Is it regarding the squad and what the coach? Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll announce um, sort of our CBW squad, our coaching group and everything tomorrow. So it's um, a pretty exciting space um, and something the Western Force are proud of is, is the investment and, and the professionalism we're putting into the female game. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us, uh, and good luck with the big announcement tomorrow. We'll uh, be right across it here on Sports Day. No worries. Appreciate the call. Okay, Matt Hodgson joining us here on Sports Day. Of course, uh, the uh, general manager of the Western Force, and what a contribution he's made to the club. As we mentioned, played over a decade as a player, over 140 games. Uh, is working now behind the scenes in a very important role as general manager of the Western Force. And from all reports, uh, they're getting uh, getting together for what promises hopefully to be a very good Super Rugby season. And, of course, the Super W season will be kicked off tomorrow with the announcement of the squad and the coach. So we look forward to that. And we'll bring you up to date with that on Sports Day tomorrow. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll also bring you up to date with what's happening in the BBL match between the Heat and the Scorchers. As we go to the break, it's four for 106. I'll update that for you next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Great to have your company here on Sports Day. With Peter Vlahos, and as I mentioned, uh, the BBL match between uh, the Brisbane Heat and the Scorchers underway. I feel sorry there for Matt Kelly. There was a ball hit to the deep mid-wicket boundary. He was down to cut it down to one and went right through him and hit the boundary right behind him for four. A bad misfield. And Andrew Ty, who's bowling, just gave a wry smile. Currently... They are the Brisbane Heat, and they're in the 17th over, four for 119. Jimmy Pearson's on 16, as is Max Bryant, the men to go, Kawaja for 28, Josh Brown, 18, Marnus Labashane for 10, Matthew Renshaw for 27, and the wicket-takers, three for 21 from four completed overs by Jason Berendorf and Andrew Tyre, who's currently bowling his third over, has one wicket for 20. Well, as we know, the AFL clubs are back in training the second part of their pre-season as we head into the season proper that commences with, of course, pre-season games in late February and the season in March. Today, Oscar Allen, who missed all of 
the AFL season in 2022 is on the track and looking forward to playing some footy for the West Coast Eagles this season. He was up before the media earlier today. You must be uh, itching to play, I imagine, given the, the last uh, year that you've had. Where are you? You look good on the track. How are you physically and, and mentally, I suppose? Yeah, going really well. Probably trying to pull back on. Obviously, I, I want to be out there and playing games right now. Um, I know we're still a couple of months away from the start of the year, so just trying to get my body in the space where not only play the start of the year, but, but play throughout the whole year as well. So um, body's feeling good and, and mind's good as well at the moment. Season seemed like it's a long way away, considered how much we've Yeah, it does. It's been a pretty long pre-season. I mean, probably from whenever I was ruled out at the end of last year, it's always been how do we get myself in a, in a physical state that I'll be right to go by the start of this year. And um, the Medicos have done a really good job with that and um, just got to see through the last couple of months and, and then we're away. Was playing last year ever in the frame at all? Yeah, it was, absolutely. So when I was initially injured, we were looking to come back and then um, probably around the halfway mark of the season, we had another setback which, which made it unattainable to be able to come and play. So that kind of took the decision out of our hands. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the season was ruled out and turned into, a, well, what, well, what can I do to, to help the team and what can I do to get myself right for next year? No, yeah, if there was an opportunity to do that, we would have done that. All I want to do is, is play footy and help out the guys. Obviously, last year was a really tough year on field and, and I wanted to help out any way I could, but it um, just wasn't possible by the end of the year to, to get a couple of games out. Where are you at with your recovery? I mean, is it your, your stress-related injury all cleared up or are you still having to kind of manage your loading so that it doesn't reoccur? Like, is it something you're going to have to battle going forward? It's, it's all cleared up at the moment, which is great, but after missing a year of footy, a lot of reoccurrences can happen with other injuries. So um, the club's done a great job just to manage me. And, and as I said, we're still a couple months away from footy. So a lot of different guys are on different programs at the moment. So um, the club's doing a great job to, to pull me out where need be. When you're looking at hopefully getting back into more sort of competitive full contact uh, stuff, yeah, we did some full contact stuff pre-Christmas, so it's really exciting. We probably haven't got into it as early, and I think over the next couple of weeks we'll start getting into some, some full contact gameplay. So um, excited, a little bit nervous. It's obviously been a while since I've, I've tackled and bumped into some other guys, but really looking forward to it. Still two months away, so plenty to be had. Uh, and the Brisbane Heat are starting to hit the ball around a bit, but there's another wicket. Ashton Turner has just taken a catch off the bowling of... Andrew Ty. Andrew Ty has got his second wicket. Pearson is out, and Ty now has two for 27. That was the final ball of his third over, and the Brisbane Heat are now five for 127. Five for 127. Just before I go, let's check the weather thanks to New Farm Australian through and through. We're heading for a, a nice day tomorrow, actually. It's going to be sunny. Light winds becoming southwesterly in Perth, 20 to 30 knots in the middle of the day dropping to a low tonight of 16. Uh, tomorrow's expected top is 29 degrees. Uh, for Friday, we're looking at another sunny day, 28 degrees. And into the weekend, uh, Saturday 32 and Sunday 33. So as you can see, uh, quite mild for this time of the year, but very pleasant uh, sunny conditions indeed. The weather outlook there for New Farms products. They are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. Four for 127, the heat. 17 overs down. Peter Hatsogalu bowling his final over. And he's just been swept for four, so he's got no wicket for 25. Four for 129. Thanks for your time here on SEN 657 today. Thanks to Paul Heath, my producer.
And the pair of us will be back again at 5 o'clock tomorrow and we'll give you a full wrap on the Perth Scorchers. Hopefully winning game against the Brisbane Heat tonight. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day.